time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, September 14th, 2020. Thank you for joining us today. Whenever you are listening to this episode, happy to have you join us here on a Monday as we kick off another great week of shows. Uh, speaking of kickoffs, there was a lot of football over the weekend. There was some more college games on Saturday, and there was a full slate of NFL games on Sunday, opening weekend of NFL football. Uh, Just a lot of drama, we'll say. Some stuff off the field before games, some stuff, uh, some some late game drama during some of the other games. Just uh, a lot to talk about. Uh, I'll mention a few things regarding the NFL. Uh, I might, in fact, they'll save some NFL talk more for Tuesdays. I, I am going to say a few things just because this is, I think, relevant today with it, with every, a lot of things that are going on. But uh, if I do talk some NFL, that that may come on Tuesdays. I know that's kind of weird, but uh, I kind of that way it's easier to kind of record and talk about it. Maybe on Monday at some point for the Tuesday show. Sometimes it's hard to record Sundays while uh, the games are going on and uh, then to comment on it unless it's pretty late at night. But anyway, that's kind of an idea I have right now in moving forward, just trying to outline everything um, because there are some discussions regarding the NFL right now. And um, again, I know people, they they stand, I don't know where everybody stands on these things, but I'm going to tell you kind of some of my thoughts on some of the things I saw over the weekend with the NFL, a lot of things we all expected to see, and, and also some of the things we did not expect to see. But anyway, I want to tell you guys first about our guest today. Phil Horton is on the program. Phil Horton is one of my former teachers, one of my favorite teachers. Uh, I happen to be blessed with some very patient science teachers, I will say, in my high school years. Uh, Phil Horton was definitely one of them. He he made a class my freshman year. He made it very uh, fun and exciting. And uh, I couldn't tell you about uh, electrons or protons or any of those things, but I could tell you about some of the experiences from that classroom uh, with Phil Horton. I think he has a great gift of kind of commanding a room, but in a fun way. He's uh, really good at um, being creative and clever and, uh, teaching is something he kind of does on the side of his other job his his real job working, uh, at DeNovo, uh, dentistry. But, uh, we'll get into all that with Phil Horton here upcoming. I'm looking forward to you guys hearing this. He's got a great sense of humor. Uh, his, his older brother, Chris Horton is the same way, but both of the Horton guys, man, they, they, they make you laugh a lot. So it was definitely fun catching up with Phil Horton. He used to coach uh, teams when I was playing as a kid, teams I would play against like third, fourth, and fifth grade. So some good memories there. Uh, just just a lot of fun catching up with him. So we'll get right to that interview here uh, very shortly. But a few things right off the top of my head. Um, you know, I want to be somewhat uplifting and have positive vibes with this show, especially these first, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or so, a lot of times in our discussions. 
All right. But you see some things that just anger you and you got to speak on them right away. And, you know, the, the execution attempt of some savage, I'm not, I don't want to call them a human being because they're not. The, the walking up to poli- two police officers in Compton, California, and shooting two sheriff's deputies of the L.A. Sheriff's Department, uh, shooting them both at point-blank range. Um, this is unfortunately where we're at in America. There's a whole bunch of other issues going on. There's There's kneeling for national anthems by athletes. There's rioting in the streets. There's all kinds of things going on. But unfortunately, something that we're seeing is this literal attack on police officers. And what sickened me when I saw the video Saturday night uh, and then also Sunday morning was that there were people close by. There were civilians in Compton who were close by who were filming and laughing. They were laughing uh, and making light of the fact that they just saw somebody walk up and shoot two police officers at point blank range. and And they thought that was really funny and entertaining. Well, if you think that's funny and entertaining, to me, you're just as bad as the person who, who pulled the trigger. I try not to call people names and you know label people and this and that. All right, but if you walk up, not just to, to a police officer, but you walk up to somebody and shoot them a point blank range because you want to kill them, you're an animal. You're not a person. You're not a human being. And I think it's absolutely disgusting uh, that I've seen some of the cheering uh, that's gone on over this. There was literally protests at the hospital. Uh, the protests were chanting, we hope they die, referring to the, the police officers or the sheriff, sheriff's deputies, uh, blocking basically a way into the hospital, not just preventing, uh, you know, authorities that needed to get in there, but also other sick people. So we are just so backwards right now. We're so backwards in, in everything we're doing. And uh, it's just so horrible. I mean, I thoughts and prayers to, to the, the two officers or deputies, excuse me, who, who were shot. Uh, I heard I was watch. I don't watch much news again, but I tried to pay attention a little bit to, to this uh, over the weekend is that the families couldn't see these people couldn't see their loved ones because of the whole COVID restrictions and everything, which again, I, I I'm finding absolutely ridiculous. Some of these COVID, these lockdowns, I, I am so over it. I think it's destroyed so many people's lives. The reporting of the different protests and what is safe, what's unsafe. It's all political. It's all politicized. It's inconsistent and it's ridiculous. So to the person who's still at large, excuse me, I called them a person. My apologies to the animal who's still at large. um, They're going to get theirs. They're going to be brought to justice. I don't really want to see them in handcuffs, if you know what I mean. I, I won't go much further than that. I'll just say I really don't want to see them in handcuffs. I do want to hear some news about them. So we'll see. They're being pursued by a law enforcement right now, and we'll see what happens. Um, again, I'm not going to dwell all on negativity. Uh, I did see some good news. A pastor in Compton, Patrick Lyons, who's actually a retired L.A. sheriff, Uh, He spoke pretty uh, aggressively in his church on Sunday, talking uh, basically 
shouting out uh, Mayday, Mayday, calling for God to help, to send his angels, because uh, we are in such the dark time right now. It, it's just it's just horrible. It's absolutely miserable. So uh, Patrick Lyons, uh, Pastor Patrick Lyons, I should say, thank you for uh, kind of being a voice of reason and speaking out uh, in Compton uh, about your community and everything. Uh, now, now tying this into the NFL, there was a lot of demonstrations that I found troubling over Sunday. I kind of knew it would be pretty bad. It would be everywhere. And some people were probably sitting there saying, oh, Matt, well, how, you, you know, it wasn't bad to me. It was uplifting or whatever. Okay. I'm going to get into more of this probably tomorrow. And I'm definitely getting into this with Bill Barnes on Wednesday. So be ready for that show. I promise you that's going to be really something. Uh, but I'll, but I purposely did not watch some of the pregame festivities before the Rams game. I was catching up on some other things anyway. But I, I knew from some of the other things I saw during the day from other teams, some, from some of these uh, just meaningless gestures, empty gestures, this this – this virtue signaling that, that people think just magically fixes everything. You know, I saw all that and the disrespect to the national anthem and the American flag. I saw all that. All right. I didn't purposely watch much of the Rams pregame. I did watch the Rams game and I watched a lot of other games. I'm not going to hide and pretend I didn't. Uh, I don't know if the Rams did or not, but I really wish the Los Angeles Rams would have taken a moment. I know there's no fans there, but whether it was before the anthem or during all these other causes and things they're speaking about, I wish the Rams would have spoken out and done some kind of demonstration uh, in honoring the two police officers that were shot at point blank range, not too far from the brand new stadium that they opened in Inglewood. Comp is not too far away from Inglewood. And I don't know if they did or didn't. I, I, I hope to God they did. But if if they didn't say anything or do anything for the two sheriff's deputies that are in critical condition right now because a civilian shot them, uh, that that would be very disappointing. We saw around the league all kinds of stuff, uh, of course. But but if the Rams did not use their platform to speak out on a truly horrific act that occurred up the street from them the night before then I'm very disappointed in them and, and shame on them. I want to say shame on a lot of NFL teams today. Uh, I'll get into more of this tomorrow on Tuesday. I don't want to take away from, from our guests too much. Cause uh, I, I try to plan out my schedule here, guys. I try to map things out and try to stick with it. I will say it's getting a little bit more difficult as, as I move forward here. Uh, we had two shows on Friday. I probably should have just had the one show and then push one back and this and that. But anyway, um, so yes, I don't know if the Rams did or did not do anything to maybe honor the, the police officers who were shot the night before. Um, but if they didn't, that's, that's pretty disappointing. I will say, you know, a couple of years ago, the Rams did a really good job. The Rams and the chiefs did a great thing, uh, in 2018 when the, the fires and that shooting in LA occurred in thousand Oaks and, uh, there was a great tribute to law enforcement and firefighters. I thought that was wonderful. All right. But when something so dark and horrible occurs up the street uh, the night before, 
I think they have a responsibility to speak out on it, much like they say they have a responsibility to speak out on some other issues. Um, overall, I think some of the the gesturing and, and demonstrations, they're just, they're meaningless. They're meaningless. They, they, people want to do something to try to make themselves like, hey, look, at, we're doing something. And it's like, all you did was lock arms or took a knee. What does that do? What does that fix? I mean, I'm asking questions here. I don't know. Uh, well, I'll get off of that for a second. Uh, I got to tell you, let, let me just say this. Major League Baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers on Saturday night, uh, they had been looking forward to having the Houston Astros back to uh, Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles for a long time. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys are still a believer in Canley Jansen, but he is absolutely horrible. I don't care. Here's the thing. We're in this fantasy sports world these days where everyone wants to talk about, oh, his stats are this. Oh, he's a great. No, there's no statistic for clutch. Okay. That guy is a head case. Maybe he was really good and just total depend, dependent, uh, dependable at one time, but he's not. He faced six batters. He gave up five runs, five hits and five runs. Four of them earned. Sorry, that's not a, that's not a, a Mariano Rivera. That's not a uh, you know Eric Gagne, Trevor Hoffman. That, that's not big time closer. Uh, you know, showing up. So Dodgers need to make some decisions there because that's going to end up hurting them. It's an absolute joke. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know the Dodgers are doing well right now, but but they really got to look at a few things there. You, know, you can't just keep patting a guy on the back forever. Anyway, that was my thoughts on Major League Baseball. Uh, but something related to Major League Baseball, which I'll kind of close with, is that, you know, I see, I, I'm someone who always follows ejections. I watch the ejections from umpires and players in Major League Baseball, and it's hilarious when announcers pretty much say the same thing over and over about ejections. Oh, he never acts this way. Oh, he's usually pretty well behaved. He, he's usually, you know, he, he almost never says anything to the umpire. Oh, the umpire's overreacted. Umpire shouldn't have heard that. Why is he looking in the dugout? Why is he, you know, it's the same song and dance. I vent about it. But one thing that angered me the other night was I heard there was an ejection. I won't tell you who it was or anything, but there was an ejection and you can hear everything right with the, the, the audio and basically, which is commonly said, the announcers say this and coaches and managers say this, the player was walking away. The player didn't like something at the plate. He mouthed off. He kept walking towards the dugout and he kept saying things. He either got to the dugout and kept saying something, or he got all the way to the dugout, whatever the case is. Uh, there was an ejection and the argument was, how could you eject him? He was walking away from you. He got all the way to the dugout. He walked away from you. And you hear that all the time. Because, again, on TV, you guys don't hear what players say. You guys think players are just being, like, super nice and saying, hey, they're just being, like, competitors. They're just competing. And I see that all the time. He threw, he threw him out. He was walking away from him. He can't do that. And so I thought of this the other day, and I want to run this by you guys. And you tell me what you think. Uh, fellas, 
don't know how many of you are married or in relationships. Uh, ladies out there, same thing, married or in a relationship. Uh, I, I would think, uh, I'm probably speaking to the fellas here, but I think it could go for, for the ladies too. Okay, fellas, you and your wife, you and your girlfriend, whatever, you're having a, a conversation with them. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave the room. I want you to start to walking up the stairs. I want you to start to leave the kitchen. And as you're walking away, I want you to turn and say something uh, that you shouldn't say to them. Call them a name. Tell them dinner was terrible. Tell them uh, they need they need to do better tomorrow. Insult them. Make 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 comments on something about them. And then when they react to what you said. I want you to tell them, well, you shouldn't be upset because I was walking away. I was walking away. I got all the way to the dugout. I got all the way to, to the next room. I was ready to go up the stairs. How could you hold me accountable for something I said when I was walking away? When I was uh, talking to Valerie about this and, and explaining it to her, she kind of chuckled and was like, yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense <laughs> as far as baseball. I go, can you imagine... If I was leaving the room and I shouted, you know, over my shoulder at you and called you a, what, a, you know, insert word here, uh, <laughs> called her a derogatory name, or I commented on something she did. How do you think that would go, fellas? But for some reason in baseball, <laughs> it's, it's like he was walking away. He could say whatever he wants when he walks away. And it doesn't even have to be like a, a cuss word or anything. It's just sometimes an argument it builds and builds and builds and builds. And yes, even though someone's walking away, you can only warn them enough times. We seem to have a problem in this country right now with, with warnings, which uh, is a whole nother subject, but it's, it's somewhat related. So yeah, next time you see that on a game where there's an ejection and you even think it, oh man, he was walking away. How could he eject him? I want you to think of that with you and your lady or you and your fella, whatever the case is. Imagine walking away from them and saying something you know you shouldn't say. And then when they react accordingly, hey, I was walking away. How could you? <laughs> I don't think it would go over well. I think there'd be an ejection, guys. Let's just say that. There would be an ejection. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get to our interview with Phil Horton. Uh, I am going to say this, guys. I I'm trying to do a better job with the schedule and everything uh, with interviews. As of right now, we do not have an interview for Tuesday. I am working on it. Um, I'm trying to piece together things. If anyone is interested, wants to do something last minute, let me know. Even if you've been on the program before, let's throw something together uh, Monday uh, at some point, Monday afternoon, Monday evening, whatever. Uh, I do have a recording tomorrow night I'm going to do. I'm going to try to make that, or excuse me, Monday night and try to make that part of the show on Tuesday. But anyway, just a few other items to discuss uh, as well as as the, uh, I'm sorry, it's escaping me. But anyway, as well as trying to find more more recordings and more topics, I'm probably going to be talking a lot more about uh, some of this NFL stuff going on, some of this college football stuff. I am going to comment on it. All right, whether you're interested or not in the NFL, that 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 you know will remain to be seen uh, from a lot of us, I think, in moving forward. But anyway, um, there'll probably be some more talk about that stuff tomorrow on Tuesday. And of course, Bill Barnes on Wednesday uh, is our weekly guest. He'll be here. But other news, uh, I'm sorry to ramble here, but I have, uh, well, 
there is some news regarding my availability now. I'm not so sure how much I'm going to be available. I'll fill you guys in more when everything becomes official. But for now, I'm available to do this podcast. But uh, in moving forward, maybe within a week or two, I may not have as much availability as I have been these past few months. So that's all I'll say about it. Uh, it's good news. It's good things. Uh, you know, get some good, good steps forward. Nothing is officially official yet. So I don't want to tell you guys too much, but, uh, the show may or may not be eh, lose a few, uh, maybe, or maybe we do or do not doing this show every single day in moving forward. It might be twice a week or something. Again, nothing's changing as of yet. Our goal is to be back every day this week, but just a heads up to you guys. Uh, in moving forward, that there could be some changes regarding the show, and, and it's probably for the best. It, it's it's based off of uh, something that that is good news for me. So anyway, we'll get into all that maybe at the end of the show and throughout the week. I'll kind of talk more about it. But let's get to Phil Horden. You already, uh, if you've listened this far, you've uh, <laughs> you've heard me talk about him. One of my favorite teachers of all time. Uh, really fun. Uh, some some funny stories. Some good memories from some science camps and some classroom experiences. So let's get right into it with our interview with. Phil Horton. Okay, joining us today is Phil Horton. Phil Horton is the operations manager at DeNovo Dental, but I knew him as that uh, coach of the West Covina Cardinals uh, across the way every time I was a, a young man playing sports for the Glendora Gators. So uh, a lot of memories playing against Mr. Horton here. Uh, but also, I will say, Mr. Horton was one of my favorite teachers uh, of all time uh, in high school. I've never been a science guy. I hated science. I can't say that enough, but his science class, uh, physical science, our freshman year, was uh, still one of my favorite classes. So he's got a lot of personality and uh, some fun stories ahead here. Phil Horton, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's good to be here. Oh, man. You're coming in loud and clear. Uh, you know, we both got our headsets on here. We're doing a Zoom call. I found it's much easier to talk to people this way. And uh, man, I'm impressed with yours, uh, Mr. Horton. It's like an offensive coordinator. Look like you're calling plays for, uh, you know, the Rams or somebody. Well, my children are gamers, and so I, I have to wear something like this, right? They t say I look like a, you know, a dork or something. So here I am with my headset and my little, you know. Yeah, awesome stuff. Well, well, uh, thanks for joining us, and, and uh, we're recording this on Labor Day. I uh, appreciate you taking the time. Um, so many memories. I don't know where to start, uh, really, but let's talk first about um, your experience with Care Youth League and Rio Hondo Prep. You, you've coached a long time in Care Youth League. You were on a, a very good uh, championship football team in 1979 with Rio Hondo Prep, and we'll talk about that year, too, uh, some of the other sports, but where did it all begin for you, uh, Mr. Horton, this, this journey with Care Youth League? How did you discover the program? Well, my brother, actually, uh, the elder Mr. Horton, uh, Chris Horton, he uh, joined first, and he had a friend at uh, his school that brought him there. And so it was just kind of a, this is when I get old enough, I'm going to go there, because I really enjoyed uh, going to care and watching him play. And I enjoyed sports, and I, it was just something that I followed along in his footsteps and joined the team called Indian, which was a Temple City team. And I remember uh, joining in uh, my first game was actually a kickball game. <laughs> and 
they played kickball back then, I guess. And it was fun. Uh, I bought a uniform. And back then, when you bought a uniform, it was like the flannel. It was like a white flannel with the piping, the old-fashioned like baseball uniforms. And when you first bought them, they, the white wasn't white. It was like yellow. And you had to wash it a couple of times before it, and then it would turn white. And so whenever you saw someone out there with a yellow uniform, you knew it was a new guy. So they would just call you, hey, new guy, you know, because you had a yellow <laughs> uniform on. So, so I told my mom, we got, we got home after that first game. I told my mom, you need to wash this like three times right now. I'm not going out with a yellow uniform anymore. And she did. So Fantastic. Well, yeah. well uh, it's interesting to me. I told you this kind of before we started recording, but you know, you and Mr. Horton, Chris Horton, I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's basically the head pastor of the, the church at Rio. At one time, he was kind of the director of all the high school kids and everything. And I, I, I don't know. I think of you, you guys are two different people. I know I have a brother too, who we don't always, aren't always the same, but I almost forget you guys are brothers sometimes. I, I'm sure other people out there listening to that, to this uh, feel the same way. Yeah. Well, we don't, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird, we, we, we like each other. We love each other, whatever, but we don't do much together. There's a, there is a six, seven year difference there. So uh, he's kind of in a separate generation than me. And, uh, but we get along great. And uh, well, we just don't spend a lot of time together, which is probably why we think of yeah. us as two separate people. Well, I mean, you guys both have this, this sense of humor, just this, you got, I, I feel like you got a line for everything, both of you, every time there's a situation. And I've always appreciated that about you. It, it's, it's been one of the things that was great on either summer trips or you teaching us in high school is you just have a, you see things in a, in a positive, fun light, I think. And I'm sure most other people would agree with that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's good to laugh. It's good to keep, you know, light, you know, life is serious and you can just get down on yourself and down on other people. If you just, you know, you just got to loosen up a little bit, you know? Uh Oh yeah. yeah. Well, Mr. Horton, you were, uh, you played on the 1979 CIF football championship team at Rio Hondo prep. And uh, you were telling me off the air that that was actually a pretty good year in general with the athletics, uh, uh, also the 79 football season in general. You guys beat Pasadena Poly in the championship game, which I think is pretty awesome, beating those rivals in the title game. But what, what can you tell me about your experience at Rio Hondo Prep, um, specifically that, that senior year you guys had where you really had some great successes on the field and some great stories, I'm sure. Yeah, well, uh, up to that point, you know, it was football and then there was everything else. And especially like basketball was the sport that you just played to get to baseball. So football was like number one. And then basketball and baseball were kind of afterthoughts. My favorite sport was baseball. Uh, I was 165 pounds as a senior. So I was a little twig out there. Um, And so I played football and I enjoyed football, but I was looking forward to baseball. Uh, We were interesting start of the uh of that season the prep league actually met and kicked us out of the league they voted to kick us out of the league because uh two or three years prior to that we just totally dominated the league as far as football goes and they were just tired of us so they actually voted to kick us out so wow. we were an at we were an large team which means you weren't guaranteed a playoff spot unless you were ranked in that division so uh we we still played a lot of the prep league teams to schedule it just wasn't any league games uh, we were undefeated that year. We, I don't think we played a full game until the playoffs. So 
and it was we skunked you know in, yeah. it was eight man so if you're ahead by 45 points at half or later they just stopped the game and uh, i don't think we played a, a full game uh we played um interesting story we were it was homecoming and somehow we got scheduled to be in the homecoming the players they wanted to escort the girls onto the field and when we first heard this we go you gotta be kidding me it's a football game and uh we were playing a team called melody land now oh boy if yeah exactly that's the initial reaction it was a school it was across the street from disneyland it was in a big tent i remember on harbor boulevard but um th they weren't very good and so mr johnson coach johnson just said look we have to skunk this team by half so that you guys can do your your ushering or whatever you're doing for the thing and so it's like, okay. And so we started playing and I am almost fairly certain that I'm right on this fact is we only got tackled one time during the game and we scored a touchdown on every play we ran except for one. And I think the game that halftime, it was 64, nothing. They stopped the game and we were able to continue. So tackled, <laughs> tackled one time, one time during the game. Yeah. Oh my Lord. And wow. then, uh, yeah, and then we got to the playoffs, and because we were an at-large team, we had to actually play a wild-card play-in game to get into the bracket. So we were playing Big Pine, and Big Pine, it was an away game because we, were, we weren't ranked. You know, we, didn't, we weren't in a league, so we had to travel up to Big Pine to play. And we had played them earlier in the year down in Arcadia. We beat them. We skunked them. It was like 50 to nothing or something at half, and we skunked them. So we didn't think it was going to be, be a big deal. At the time, CAF was paying uh, teams that had to travel more than like 200 miles. They would pay for like for you to stay at a hotel. And so someone got the brilliant idea of, well, let's stay at a hotel then. We'll drive halfway on Thursday. And then the game was on Friday at noon because they didn't have any lights. So we we drove up. When we stayed at the Motel 6 just north of Victorville, I don't know if you people know that. If you're on a trip or something, it was like a KOA nearby there. It was just on the other side. The place was a dump. And nobody slept. I mean, you know, it's right by I, uh, I-15. And so the trucks are going, you know, it was just, it was terrible. Nobody slept. We got up the next morning. We drove up to play the game. And everybody was tired. And it, it was, you know, you're up in altitude. I think that the altitude there is like four or 5,000 feet. So you're not really used to the altitude. And we were just flat. And it, we were behind going late in the third quarter. We were actually down by two touchdowns. And we thought it was going to be a cakewalk. And then the famous, now I have to ask you this, Matt, because you're a baseball guy. The, uh, the, the reporter at Big Pine wrote an article that we saw the next day in their local paper. And he said our punter performed the Alphonse Gaston maneuver. Do you know what this is? The Alphonse Gaston? No, is Gaston? that a, a pitcher or something? It's an, old, it's an old baseball term. It's like when two players are calling for a ball you know, a fly ball, and then they both stop and they let, they let it drop in between them. Oh. Okay, that term is Alphonse Gaston. Well, we didn't know what it was either. The writer was obviously an old guy. that. <laughs> so we had to look it up. But Byron, our punter, Byron Candle, Candel, uh, he was a lineman, and he actually was our punter as well. And he, like, fumbled the ball as he was trying to punt it, and somehow he hit it in the air with his fist, and it went up in the air, and then the lone pine, or the big pine guy caught it, ran for a touchdown. And so that was called the Alphonse Gaston maneuver. But that, that particular play late in the third quarter, we were now down by three touchdowns, just like infuriated us. I don't know how to describe it. Other, we went back to the sideline and Mr. Johnson wasn't a big rah-rah guy. 
but everybody was just incensed, you know, that we were in this position. And from that point on, I think it wasn't, we weren't playing dirty or anything, but we were just mad. We were playing mad and (laughs) there were just bodies on the field after that. Almost every play, they had to carry a big playing guy off the field. We ended up scoring six touchdowns. Oh, wow. And ended up winning by three touchdowns. But that was, I mean, we were almost knocked out before even making it to the playoffs. And we were the top ranked team in the excuse me, in the division. And then uh, <clears throat> we played uh, San Fernando. And in the, I think it was the quarterfinals. They had a running back named Frankie Robinson. He was like 350 pounds. He was a fullback. And he had thighs that were actually bigger than my entire body. And uh, this was a... Uh, they, they were really good, and we, we thought it was going to be a challenge. We ended up beating them pretty handily. But there was one play where it was about a one-touchdown game. We were ahead by a touchdown. It was, it was the last play of the first half, and I was playing safety. I remember I was 165 pounds. I had no business playing defense. <laughs> and so if you're a safety and you weigh 100, you, and maybe some of you might be able to relate to this, some of your listeners, uh, the last thing you want to see is for a fullback to break through the line through the linebackers and you're the last one between him and, and the touchdown. And that's exactly what happened. He was just going full steam. He was coming right at me and I'm thinking, okay, I'm just going to, he's going to make a move to one side or the other. And I'm just going to grab and hold on for dear life and hope someone helps me get him down. And then he, he, instead of making move, he just, he started lowering his head. So he wasn't going to make a move. He was just going to run over my body. And so I, <laughs> I, to be honest with you, I don't remember exactly what happened. Somehow my body got tangled in his legs and he actually fell down. But I don't remember because I got like kind of knocked out for a couple seconds. The only thing I remember is I remember looking over and seeing him on the ground. So, and then that was the end of the half and everybody was going, you know, give me high fives and stuff. I, was like, I don't remember anything. It ran me over. <laughs> so then, yeah. 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 So then we played Polly in the finals and uh, we won, I think it was 42-28. Uh, but it wasn't really that close. I think we pretty much dominated that game. And, and pretty awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't I can't remember if Rio's ever beaten Paulie in the finals. Uh, other than that, I mean, as the you know big rivals and everything, and uh, so that had to be pretty cool. Um, you didn't have to drive to Big Pine, that's for sure. It's a local game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. Go very far. Yeah. Oh man, well, well outstanding stuff and. and you know, Phil, that was right after really kind of a, a transition for Rio. Rio had, had, had done this six-man football, which some people don't even know exists. And, you know, they, they lost in 72 in a, in a championship game. They won a CIF championship in 73. So shortly after that, Rio played eight-man football. Uh, 77 was, a, you know, a legendary game against Montclair Prep, probably one of the best games of all time there. But then you guys in 79, so did, did you guys feel – as high school kids at the time that like this real hondo prep football specifically was kind of taken off was starting to be kind of the, the great tradition that it is today. Yeah, I think so. I, that's uh, I, I think it started with that 77 team. Mm-hmm. They were just unbelievable. Um, and I think it actually yeah, kicked off the, you know, a lot of people will, you know, you say six man and eight man, it doesn't really yeah. make, And people will say, oh, eight man, that's sissy football or six man. But actually, in reality, as far as playing the games, six man football is is more difficult than eight man football because you can't hide people and you can't hide. You know, (laughs) you're out there and you're exposed, you know, and it's easy to find where there's a weak player and, you know, you can take advantage of it. With 11 man, it's a little bit more difficult to do that. 
So uh, it's actually a little bit, a little bit more difficult to play, I think. Yeah. It's just, it's just cool that when you look at kind of the foundation of the program and see that it's grown to what it is today. I mean, you were right in the middle there of a pretty good run, 77, 79, 82. I mean, three titles in eight man football, pretty, pretty early on in the eight man journey. And then, of course, great success later in the in the '90s and uh, and beyond. But uh, w- what else? What else do you think of Real Hondo Prep football? Just your general thoughts on. I feel like it's the best thing Real Hondo Prep does. Sure, there's other good teams. There's there's the girls' basketball. There's, uh, you know, you were a big baseball guy. But isn't Real Hondo Prep football just a little different? Isn't it special? Well, yeah, it absolutely and. I think football of any sport teaches you a lot of lessons that other sports maybe can't teach you. Uh, Referring back to that big pine game, we were, you know, we were down, but one thing that was drilled in this is you just keep, you play, you play hard and you don't, you get knocked down, you get back up and you just keep going. And that's the lesson that's good in football. It's a good in anything. It's good in life. So uh, I think football is, a great tool for teaching kids, you know, how to, uh, how to deal with adversity. And, you know, in football, if you're getting beat or it hurts, you know, it's not like in baseball where you just run up down the court. I mean, it hurts and is physical, you know, pain that you have to deal with, you have to get through. And it's, it's a great sport for uh, teaching kids how to persevere. Yes, absolutely. So many built-in lessons. uh, And and I'm just proud of Real Hondo Prep and the great tradition it's had over the years. Uh, some great teams. It's fun to talk to people who have, you know, played years ago. But again, you're, you're telling me stories that I'm sure felt like yesterday uh, to you, even though it was a long time ago. Um, well, what other sports that year? How else? You said 79-80 season was kind of a, a pretty good uh, good run, we'll say, in basketball and baseball. Tell, tell me about the rest of your experience that year. Well, basketball – we didn't have a deep team, but we had a solid five or six players that were, that were good. And uh, we actually, uh, interesting story is we, we played pretty well uh, towards the end of the season. We kind of got in a slump. We weren't shooting well. We played LaSalle and we, it was a double digit loss and we just weren't playing well. And uh, coach Mike Dowd came into the locker room after the game and said, Wow, that was pretty bad. I mean, usually he's kind of, he goes, wow, that was pretty bad. Let's take a vote. There was like two weeks left in the basketball season and before playoffs. Well, we weren't even sure we were going to make the playoffs at that point. And he <laughs> said, let's take a vote. We can start practicing. You know, Monday is the date where you can start practicing baseball. Do you want to just forget basketball and move on to baseball? Or do you want to keep practicing basketball? So we took a vote. I think there were nine players and it, uh, the vote was five to four to keep playing basketball. The interesting thing was most of the votes came from like freshmen or sophomores that didn't play much. They were just on the bench players. All the starters were like, let's just go to baseball. <laughs> and so <clears throat> then we started playing. We played a lot and we started playing a little better. We actually squeaked into the playoffs again as a wild card team. We had to play a while, uh, playing game to get in the playoffs. And our first game was a uh, real game was against Imperial. And they were the top ranked team in the uh, division and they were really good. Uh, so we played them and we were kind of peaking at the same time at half. I think we we're only down by six or eight points. And the interesting thing happened is uh, we went for halftime. We came back out, started warming up and stuff. Imperial didn't come out on the court. In fact, the referees had to go get them because it was time to start and they hadn't come out of the locker room yet. 
And so the official went and got them and they're like, oh, we didn't know the time. I don't know what their excuse was. They didn't know they lost track of time. So then we started the second half and we went on like a 20 to two run. I mean, it was unbelievable. And we must've shot that second half. I think we shot like 65% from the field. We couldn't miss. And we ended up winning the game and beating them, which is a huge upset. Then we looked at the rest, you know, after that, we were, we were just looking at that game and we were looking beyond. And then after that game, we looked at the bracket and every other team that had won on our side of the bracket, we had beaten earlier in the year already. Oh, wow. And so we ended up winning and getting to the finals. We played Chadwick in the finals and we had played them twice before and both games were close. I think we lost by like two or three points, one game. And then I don't know if you remember the Chadwick bubble. You remember the Chadwick bubble? I, I never got to see it. No. Oh. I've heard it Horrible was- place. I think we lost by eight. <laughs> uh, but it was close. And we thought we had a really good shot. Uh, but then the, the, it was a Saturday game. And because we were a small, we were playing at Long Beach Arena, you know, huge arena. It was going to be exciting. But because we were a small school, we had the first game at nine. I think it was nine o'clock in the morning was the start. <laughs> so, so the Thursday before we were having a light practice in our center, Dave McClellan, he twi- twists his ankle. He, I mean, really bad he couldn't even uh, walk and so because we weren't that deep we really kind of went into that game with not our starting five and we end up uh losing in the finals to them i think by 12 points or something oh man but that we were, we were you know runner up i mean that's that's admirable that was yeah. probably i think uh, i don't i think up to that point i don't think any other team had gotten farther in the, the playoffs than that anyway so um it was that was a good season for us <laughs> Well, yeah, especially after winning a football championship and going so deep and then, you know, the Mr. Dowd uh, proclamation, we'll say. Uh, it's just, that's funny stuff. Uh, so did you guys have anything left in the tank to, for a baseball season? Uh, well, how did it go? Yeah, actually, baseball was, again, really good. Uh, I remember after the final game, we were driving up from Long Beach in the bus and Mr. Dowd announced, by the way, we have practice today because we have a game on Monday. <laughs> so. So we had baseball practice after that, like at noon <laughs> after the final game. So that was kind of fun. Um, that, and then our, our baseball team was really solid. And uh, I can, we played uh, some really tough teams because, we again, we were in the league. Uh, we beat, uh, like, St. Bonaventure, which was uh, – wow. they were the top-ranked team, I think, three divisions above us. We beat them in an away game. We beat – uh, Moore Park, we beat Fillmore, we had a lot of these big schools. And we, we kind of, the problem is when we played, we were playing really well at that point, and then we peaked, and then we kind of, uh, we started slumping a little bit as we got into the playoffs. Um, I don't know if you remember, do you remember the shift we used to do, Mr. Johnson, Coach yeah, Johnson? Yeah, yeah, because of the short center field at, at Rio. So he'd bring in the center fielder like as almost like a fifth infielder. Yep. Uh, yeah, and it was funny because nowadays, what are teams doing? I mean, everybody, all major league. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. Big teams are doing the shift almost every batter, and he started that about 40 years ago. Uh, but you had to know where the batter was going to hit the ball. And the problem is, when we went to like when we played at like Fillmore, they have they don't have a home run fence. It was just this huge field that just went on forever, and so you have two fielders out there and if they hit in the gap I mean it's a home run there's just no question this is going to go and go but you know at especially at home it worked really well and we ended up um we ended up getting to the uh quarterfinals I get we lost to Orange Lutheran in what we refer to what I refer to as the diamond ball game so I don't know if I don't even know if diamond still makes 
baseballs, do they still make baseballs? I think I've seen a few, yeah. Well, everybody used Rawlings back okay. then. And so then we get to Orange Luther, it's a away game, and, we get to, and I'm pitching, and they give me this ball, and it's like a cue ball. The threads, <laughs> you can barely feel the threads. And I was a junk ball pitcher. I mean, probably 70, 80% of my pitches were, were you know, curves or sliders or slurves, you know. Uh, I wasn't a real fastball guy, I'd throw it for show. And so my stuff, my pitches weren't breaking. They were just like change-ups. It was like batting practice. And it was really frustrating. But, you know, Coach Johnson laid into me after the game because I told him it was the ball. He didn't believe me. So <laughs> he gave it to me. Because it's not the ball. I was like, well, my stuff wasn't breaking. I don't know what to tell you. It was a little frustrating. Oh, my goodness. Uh, man, Randall Johnson. So many great stories. Definitely an innovator, uh, whether it be football, baseball. Um, just a tremendous sports knowledge and yeah, Rihanna prep athletics. And then he was coaching girls basketball success there. I mean, just, uh, just a legend uh, in the Rihanna prep athletic community. Uh, well, kind of one other thing about Rihanna prep football, you know, we can't play forever, unfortunately. Um, but, but you were, I'll say a part of the program for a while. Uh, you were, you've been the clock operator. For, for a while. And then you also, you used to do the video kind of operating, right? Before Mr. Bray kind of took over doing things. Yep. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, I got a great seat. And uh, for both uh, uh, clock operator and for video where you just kind of by yourself and I just enjoy watching the game. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't you know the rah, rah and the band, everything is great, but I just enjoy yeah, watching that. the game and analyzing. And a uh, you know, funny story is I probably am the only person that was not a player or a coach that uh, was able to win a game for Rio Hondo that got us into the playoffs. Ooh. Yeah. So I was the camera operator and we were playing Chadwick. It was the last game of the regular season. We had to win in order to make it into the playoffs. And so I was doing the camera and Sid, coach Sid of Chadwick was on the sidelines and he was like, he kept running out in the field and yelling at the refs. And, you know, and so they eventually they threw him out of the game. So he got ejected. So a few minutes later, I'm watching, and the, the, the Chadwick defense is huddling up, and the, the, the captain is looking over behind the crowd, uh, behind Chadwick's crowd. And I look over there, and there's Sid. He's giving defensive signals to his team from behind the crowd, even though he got ejected. So I turned the camera over, and I videoed him giving signals. And uh, so then we ended up losing the game. But then after the game, I went up to, to uh, coach Johnson said, you know, I got some video of Sid giving signals to those players after he was kicked out. And so coach Johnson took the, the video down to the CIF and showed it to him. And then uh, Chadwick ended up forfeiting the game. And then we ended up making it to the playoffs. So. <laughs> that is great. I, oh man. Uh, yeah. Well, here's, here's a funny follow-up to that is Sid. Uh, I think he was coaching somewhere else for a while, but he came back to Chadwick and he was coaching football and we finally went to 11 man and it was the first time we played each other in 11 man football. And we played at their place Friday afternoon, no lights, uh, daylight savings had already happened. So it was getting dark at like five o'clock and really foggy day. Anyway, we, 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 we beat him. We were winning, I don't know, 30 points or something late in the game. And at Chadwick, you couldn't have, uh, you could only kick the extra point at one end of the field because there was houses or something. So you always had to walk to the other end of the field. So we scored kind of late and rather than uh, burn time walking to the other end of the field, Mr. Drain was like, hey, just run a, run a dive to the fullback or something, something basic. Just go for two, like, let's just almost take a knee, basically, on a conversion. So we did that and didn't, didn't score. 
And from across the field, the same Sid who got ejected and had the, the signal fiasco and everything, he shouted across the field, uh, hey, some things never change, huh, Real Hondo? Like basically saying we're, we're rubbing it in or sticking it to him. And Mr. Drain stepped out onto the field and shouted back across the field at him like, get a life, get some lights. <laughs> and I was standing next to him when it happened, and it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. The guy just – he couldn't piece together what was happening because he was still bitter from the Phil Horton video fiasco. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, my. Unbelievable. Great stuff. Oh, man, I could, I could talk – real sports forever uh and and i'm sure i'm sure you could as well but uh eventually uh mr horton you you uh started coaching in carry youthly and you coached uh for a long time and i mentioned it early but you were you were that guy across the field coaching the cardinals when i was a young kid and you coached the cardinals for a long time um you currently co still coach uh fourth graders they're not called the Cardinals, but they have that, that Cardinal and gold color scheme still. So what, what can you tell me about your experiences in coaching the Cardinals in Care Youth League? And then I believe you're the Seminoles now, right? Right. Florida State Seminoles. Um, so, boy, there's been so many years. It's just all kind of a blur. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because people come up, boy, you're such a great coach, Coach Horton. You're just amazing. You should be coaching pros. You know, I get parents coming and saying this. And it has nothing – you know, when you're fourth grade level, it's, it's, the coaching is probably not that important other than just getting to learn the basics and the fundamentals, but you got to have the players, you know, they always come to me and say, wow, you're a great coach. But I had, you know, I had the Amodu family. I had the Soto family, all these different families. They, and they were they're just great athletes. How can you not win with a group of athletes like that? And so we, it was just, it was, it's always been, I've always enjoyed it. It's always been fun. Um, and I, you know, I'm still going, I don't know how many more years I'm going to be able to go here, but, uh, it's, it's still just a pleasure to be able to serve, uh, the youth and teach them fundamentals and teach them about life and all that that goes along with that. Um, it's good stuff. Yeah. And you know what, it takes a certain temperament for, to work with third, fourth and fifth graders, as long as you have done. Uh, I mean, I think you and Mr. Weidman, uh, the times you were kind of uh, meshed together, you guys blended well. You guys have that, again, that, that personality that just fits in working with kids and, and some of your comments or <laughs> sarcasm, we'll say. <laughs> so I'm sure it gives you a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, opportunities to, to say that stuff and everything. Um, you, you did talk about some incredible athletes, and, and, and there's no doubt about it for those who don't know those names. I mean, those – those guys played college ball and beyond. And, uh, you know, I'm still mad at you, Mr. Hort. Uh, you talk about fourth grade athletics. I lost a championship baseball game to you when I was in fourth grade. I know I'm 35 years old, but, but I'm still, uh, I'm still mad. <laughs> I'm still mad about that game when I was what, 10 years old. And uh, you guys upset us, the Glendora Gators. We won every year in baseball and you beat us uh, uh, whatever year that was. So you probably don't remember it, but I certainly do. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't specifically remember it, but I, I will tell you one thing. It's all about pitching. So we must have had good pitching that day. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody tell the Angels that same thing. It's oh, all my. about pitching, yes. Yeah, no kidding. What a, <laughs> what a train wreck that is. Uh, well, I, I, I'm a, I, I didn't ask you this before, but I'll ask you now, um, not to put you on the spot, but uh, I, I interviewed Eddie Drain, and one of the fun 
conversations with him was about the, the, the greatest upset in Kerry Youth League history. So I'm sorry to put you on the spot here. But again, you had uh, Ify, Ifiamodu, Chris Adams. I think Nick Preciato was on that team. Some unbelievable athletes. And, and on those Cardinal teams, they won every, every game, every sport. And when Ed Drain was a fifth grade, him and JT Parker and those guys, they upset that Cardinal game, Cardinal team in a, in a championship basketball game. I happened to be refereeing. I don't think it was my fault, but uh, you know what? One of the biggest upsets ever. Yeah, I, that's one game I do remember. And uh, <laughs> it's absolutely true. I mean, we killed them every time we played them that year. And uh, I don't think it was overconfidence. I think we were just flat, you know. It's just one of those things where we just couldn't shoot. And you're just waiting for the team to pick up and get back to business and do what they need to do and we never got there and and you know give credit to ed and jt and those guys they played a great game i mean they were playing way over their heads as compared to what they would played that whole season and you got to give them credit i mean that's why you play the games there's no sure thing especially in basketball i think basketball is a sport where upsets can happen more than any other sport because teams can get cold you know things happen i learned later after the game that ify actually had the flu so he was really sick that whole game. He didn't, he didn't tell him or anything. The mom came in after he's been throwing up all night. And I was like, that's not an excuse, but yeah. uh, it didn't help. I, I think, I think a sick Ifiamodu was still better than most, most <laughs> yeah. fifth graders at that time. Yeah. He was something. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Every time he ran the ball, he scored a touchdown. I mean, he was, he, he still, he do everything in basketball. Yeah. Just incredible athletes. Uh, I remember what uh, refereeing the game and being like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. This is unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, uh, I want to give you credit uh, for, for – I don't think you remember this, but I told Mark Carson, uh, who's your brother-in-law, by the way, yep. uh, that, that uh, he, I umpired my very first baseball game when he was coaching. He was coaching the, the Cardinal – or, excuse me, the Tigers, and they were playing at Wingate Park, which is what, what I will always refer to it as. And uh, I don't know what – I just kind of started to like it. And I was in junior high, and, and this should tell you how long ago it was. You called me at my house on a Saturday morning, and you're coaching the Cardinals. And I don't know if you had heard that I was umpiring or whatever, but you said, Matt, hey, uh, Phil Horton here. Uh, we need an umpire. Can you come down to, uh, to Wingate Park and, and work the 10 o'clock game or whatever? And so I said, sure. So I went down there, and I remember it was like this. It kind of got me going motivation-wise, like, hey, people want me to do this, uh, you know, I think it was just, you needed a body. <laughs> it wasn't this ex, you know, I was the eighth grader or whatever, but I remember you being rather encouraging with me in officiating and it, and it took off from there as uh, my officiating career later went with college and minor league stuff and everything, but it all started kind of with a little Phil Horton encouragement. Well, I don't remember anything about that, but <laughs> I'm sure I saw something in you and your personality and how you handle yourself that I thought he'd be a good umpire. Um, and that's, isn't that's kind of the key is to look for things that kids can do and kind of push them that way, I guess. Uh, but I must've seen something in you because I would, <laughs> I, I, I'm surprised I actually did that because my, I wouldn't say that to most kids. Yeah, come on, umpire. You know, usually I'm saying, you know, maybe umpiring is not your thing. Maybe you should try something. <laughs> that's usually what I'm saying. So well, I appreciate that. Uh, again, it was uh, something I, I won't forget just because it, it really got, got the, uh, 
my brain spinning and my, my you know to kind of well, i should i should give this a try and do it some more uh well, well anyway kind of mr horton uh, as far as the cardinals go you mentioned a few names who are some other names that kind of stick out to you um over the years uh, my good friend uh, jordan ross jan balon they were two guys that i uh, grew up playing against and then with in later years at rio hondo and everything um, but but what are some other names that kind of stick out to you and so, just some memories i guess from from all your years of coaching the cardinals Man, there's been a lot of them. And I, I almost hesitate to just to pick some names because, yeah. you know, you hate to leave people out. <laughs> but uh, uh, Jordan Ross, I listened to him on your podcast, uh, that interview, which was great, by the way. Way to go, Jordan. Uh, but when he joined, he was a third grader. But for some reason, on the registration slip, they thought he was a first grader. And he was small. You know, he was pretty short. So uh, Coach Weidman took him on his first grade team. And he was like – yeah, he was running like triple options and intercepting every pass that went up. You know, I thought this guy's going to be a superstar. He's going to be division one, easy division one player. And I remember a championship. He made this huge interception, ran back for a touchdown or whatever. It was there on the goal line. And uh, then we found out after the game, there's actually a third grader. So we had to put him up. <laughs> he actually went up and played with me on my team. <laughs> it's like nobody knew. I, um, I, I think there needs to be sanctions against the Cardinals for, for this conduct. I think it's know, unacceptable. We were accused of that during our <laughs> successful years. I want you to know we were recruiting. Uh, we were fudging the birth certificates, you know, all that stuff. But uh, Oh, yeah. That was a good story. Uh, Nick Preciato was one of my favorite baseball players. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the first pure hitters that I ever coached. And then I found out he had a batting cage in his backyard or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but wow, what a hitter, you know, he, um, he, I, I, like I told you a story earlier, but he, um, we were in a the championship game and he hit a, uh, he hit a ball that looked like it was going to be over the fence. And it just, it, it, it looked like it went over the fence. So it was a home run. It was a big play in the game. And then I was watching and the fielder went over and, at the home run fence, there was like this, uh, you know, green tarp and then the chain link fence. He reached in between the green tarp and the chain link fence, pulled out the ball, which had gotten lodged in there. So it didn't go over the fence. It went just over the tarp, pulled it out. But he didn't know. He just, the umpire called a home run and he just threw it in and the other coach didn't see it. So we're like, don't say anything. <laughs> he ran on the bases <laughs> and we ended up winning by a couple runs. So it was like a huge deal. I don't remember who was umpiring either, but I kind of missed that one. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. Oh man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jordan. We always tease Jordan when he, cause I never, we never played football against him growing up. He was always, he was a smaller guy. So always played down. And then when I found out that he played down two divisions, when he first started, <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh man. Uh, but, but a great, great uh, friend of mine, good teammate, Nick Preciato. Yeah. A, a fun, uh, fun kid to coach and man. Yeah. You talk about hitting uh, just, I guess it, it does help to have a batting cage in your, in your backyard too, yeah. but uh, I'm, I'm sure plenty of people over the years that, uh, uh, that you have the opportunity to coach. And, and that's just, that's just great stuff. Uh, one thing that Carrie used to do is Carrie usually used to have these two week summer trips for fourth graders and fifth graders. And that's a quite an interesting age to take kids on these trips, but we would, it would be in a bus and you'd stay at campground uh, we'd go up to, you know, Yellowstone, uh, Colorado, all these, di- like Arizona, all over the place. And it was good for, it was, it was different than say a summer camp or a winter camp where you have a cabin, you have your, okay, your belongings, a summer trip, you're really learning as a, at a young age to be responsible for your belongings, 
to eat foods you don't like, to, <laughs> to do all these things. Well, and you, you had a big part on those summer trips, you and my coach, Gary Shintaku, uh, Todd Carson, Dave, Dave Reed, all these different coaches who were coaching those teams. Um, what are some of your memories of that? Do you, do you remember kind of doing that? I mean, they don't do it anymore, but looking back, I'm, I find it hard to believe that you guys were able to pull that off really in having two week trips with these uh, young kids. Well, we did have a secret that I didn't tell you about earlier. And that is that you always arrive at the campground at like 11 o'clock at night. I don't know if you remember this, okay? but we used to get in the campground. When we first started doing those two week trips, we get in the campground like at one o'clock in the afternoon. And then, you know, your third and fourth, fourth, fifth graders, you know, you run around the campground, you know, terrorizing people's campers and taking over the pool and all that stuff. We said, man, we got to stop this. So that's when we kind of expanded. We decided, well, we're going to drive longer. We'll make more stops at different sites. So we get into the camp late. So it's basically you get in a camp, you set up your tent, you go to bed. And that solved a lot of the uh, issues at campgrounds. <laughs> but I always got in trouble. You know, people would mock me, go, oh, Mr. Horton's driving the bus. We're going to get in until midnight, you know. But that was on purpose. It wasn't. Oh, uh, see? Yeah. Okay. Um, man, yeah, great memories. I just, I, I really enjoyed those trips. Um, and I, you know, I have a, there's a couple of things that jump out on me, like uh, Joe Wellman, the famous Joe Wellman. We're oh, at Yellowstone. Boy. Yes. And we're, we went to Old Faithful. And then we would go back to the bus and Joe Wellman's missing. This is Yellowstone <laughs> National Park. This is where bison and elk and they're just roaming around looking to kill people, right? And Joe Wellman and hot springs that you can fall in and die. And we can't find Joe Wellman anywhere. So we, all the coaches went out, started looking. Now, this is before cell phones or yeah. anything. Or rate, you know, we didn't have anything. And we ended up finding him in the gift store. He was looking at the silver sp little spoon collection or something. I don't know what he was doing, but... <laughs> we got him dragged him back to the bus and uh that was quite a story you know what do you tell you know at some point you go well we're gonna have to call his mom eventually what are we gonna tell her we lost your son in yellowstone national park and that's not gonna sound good so no, like, no. Oh, she's, anyway let's, let's wait on that well it was at that yellowstone national park we just so happened to be there when president bill clinton was uh, taking a vacation through there. We kept like crossing paths, but never quite seen him. We, we saw him at, at Yellowstone. He was shaking hands and everything. And, and the, the summer trip of whatever that was, 94, 95, yeah. we, we saw the president of the United States and all of his secret service guys were all nervous and everything. It was funny, <laughs> man. It was funny to see. Yeah. I, I remember Todd Carson actually got in line and shook his hand. Um, I wasn't a Quentin fan. So yeah. I yeah. 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 Hey, I hear you there. I hear you. <laughs> we're, no, we're not in a rush to jump in, but. But it was still cool. It was really neat. That, President of the United yeah, States. Yeah, he was actually following us around like for a week. He kept doing the same things we were doing. I mean, yeah, it was crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and you know what? It, it had to be Joe Wellman. Joe Wellman, of course, that guy. Oh. <laughs> yep. oh, oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Way, way to go, Joe. Yeah. Summer trips being late. I remember we were uh, we went to Rockies game. We we did all kinds of fun stuff on those trips. Um, just so much fun. And they encouraged me and, and other kids, I'm sure, later on to go on the, the longer summer trips with the, the junior high and the high school and everything. Uh, well, well, one other uh, time our paths cross, paths, uh, our paths crossed, we'll say, uh, is that in high school, um, you, you work at DeNovo De 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 Dental. Mr. Horton is the operations manager. But one thing uh, you did when I was in high school and you're still doing to this day 
is you teach a freshman science class. How did, how did that all come about? The fact that, that you started teaching this science class and you've been doing it so long, did they just need someone? What's the story? Yeah, that's exactly it. So I was <laughs> going to college and uh, Mrs. Arliss Dowd was the principal and she got, I, something happened and they, they were just short teachers and they said, well, do you want to teach a class? I said, yeah, sure. How hard can it be? Right. So uh, it was at that time, it was an eighth grade science class. I had no experience teaching. I had been coaching for a while. So I, but this was high, you know, this is like eighth grade, a uh, different age than I'm used to. Uh, I can remember uh, that first year was fun. It was a great class. Uh, Matt Keeler, former oh, yeah. FBI agent, was in that class. A bunch, of, it was fun. But there was uh, a student. Uh, named Damien, who would always give me, I won't give him a last name, but he would always give me trouble. He was just a constant <laughs> talker. This was before ADHD was ADHD. He had it, but it wasn't diagnosed, obviously. And so I, I would kick him out of the class. So we were at the, we were in the club room building, that two-story building there by the uh, basketball court. And so I just said, Damien, I'm sorry, I, you got to leave. The, so, you know, okay. So he left. So I'm teaching the class and all of a sudden about five minutes later, the whole class is looking out the window. And so I look out the window and Damien had, there was a uh, basketball uh, standard, you know, a pole with the backboard and everything. He had climbed to the top of the standard and was looking through the two-story window back into our class, you know? And he was like hanging with one hand going, oh, like this, you know, <laughs> to get attention. And I look over and I said, oh man, what am I doing? So I go run out there, you know, what are you doing? Get down, you know, and took him to the principal's office. Uh, that first class was also the, I think I broke a record for kicking the most people out of class at one time. There were 23 students and I kicked out 23 students. Ooh. I, it was kind of a joke where they were talking and I just, it was to the point where I, I was just laughing. I said, that's it. You're all kicked out. And they all went, ah, they all just ran out of the classroom. <laughs> I don't know. It was a, it was a wild year. I've learned from them, but uh, uh, even now, like students will come from a, maybe five years ago that I taught them and I'll say, guess what we did, Mr. Horton. And you didn't know about it. And they tell me the story about stuff that happens. And I was like, Oh man. <laughs> so as a teacher, you don't know everything that's going on. Even when you have 30 years experience, you, you've met, you haven't seen everything yet. It's not possible. Oh, absolutely. I, I can't imagine uh, you're dealing with high school kids. I mean, anything's possible. And, uh, my my experience in your class, I was I was a freshman, and I've ne I've struggled with science so much. Every level, every subject, anything science related, I struggled. But looking at that year, and it was just a general science class or whatever. But it, I had so much fun in it. It was the class where you took. I think it's a tribute to you, uh, someone who, who hated the subject matter and still to this day remembers that class and the fact that it was fun. Um, we'd have, you know, science competition or uh, quiz, games against each other and uh, different categories. You throw in some Disney trivia just in there just to keep it light. And uh, I remember, so every question mattered, you know, and I couldn't tell you about a proton, a neutron, electron, any of those <laughs> things. Uh, but there is one story I remember from you from your class and you were, we had, we were doing a test and you're up at the front, just, you know, hanging out, sitting around waiting for the test to be over. And uh, you said, Hey guys, okay, here's the test. Make sure you read the directions and uh, good luck to everyone. And so we're taking the test and every time someone comes up to the front of the, the, the classroom to give you the test, you, you kind of looked down and you kind of smiled and kind of quietly smirked. 
And I was thinking, what is that about? Well, that's, am I missing something? I started freaking out because I'm already worried about the content of the test anyway. Uh, anyway, finished the test, turned it in. And it was then that you told everyone, uh, or for those of us that missed it, uh, you showed us, you said, guys, I told you to read the directions. And at the top of the page, uh, at the very last line of the directions, hey, make sure you mark all your questions properly, choose A, B, C, or D, whatever. And at the very end, it said, if you want extra credit, write four circles at the top of your test. And I didn't do it because I didn't read the directions. So <laughs> very valuable lesson to me in all the testing and things I've done over the years to read the directions completely. And I have ever since. That's a good story. The stakes are higher now. Yeah. Uh, I've learned, and I, I actually put extra credit in every test, okay. uh, but there's one particular test I give where there's a short uh, answer section, and it's like 12 pages. There's probably 30 different questions, and the directions say answer two of these next 40 questions, and if you don't read the directions, you answer all 40 of those short questions. Oh, and they pay, great. yeah. And then what now? And they realize they've done that. Then they really it makes an impression. Like I can't believe I just did that. That was so stupid. So <laughs> the stakes are higher now. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah. And and every time I've done a test and I I read the directions over and over and over to just to make sure I'm still waiting for that. Draw four circles at the top of your page again. <laughs> I've yet to see it. It's been uh, 20 years, oh, but I, I'm still waiting. I'm gonna I'm gonna find one one time one time soon. Uh, <laughs> it's coming up. Uh, but your science classes, they were so much fun. Again, you, you, you made, you simplified things for guys and you made it uh, entertaining as well. And it was just a fun time. Um, that was our freshman year, our sophomore year um, being the science man that you are, you took a sophomore class on a one week trip, basically to Arizona. And is that something you guys are still doing? We're still doing it. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yep. Uh, that's a great trip. I, I have students come back all the time, tell me how much they enjoyed that trip. Uh, Flagstaff for a week and we, you know, it's, you know, Grand Canyon, all the petrified forests. We've changed the itinerary a little bit, but it's basically the same trip. I do remember the first year we did it, uh, we were really into saving money and being thrifty. So we stayed at a campground, Flagstaff KOA. And it was September and I remember the first night, I think the temperature got down to like the 15 degrees. <laughs> and we thought people, we thought students were going to be dead in the morning. Uh, so then we, then we went to the hostel. There was a hostel in uh, old town Flagstaff. And during the night you hear gunshots. I mean, I, it's just, it was a, it's a terrible, it was a terrible area. And it, you know, it had a, it had a one shower room and it, it's like boys were at certain times and girls at a certain, and it was just a mess. It was just a disaster. And then we found out that we could stay in a hotel for less than what the hostel cost us. So then we have doing the hotel route and uh, we, we've had some interesting experiences. Uh, one of them was at the Americana hotel, which was not a four star hotel. Uh, it was one of those ones where if you plug something into the outlet, it sparks, you know, oh. and like blows a fuse. Uh, there was the thing about Flagstaff is it's a, there's a lot of uh, what, what do you call them? Transition people, tra uh, people that don't have homes that are just Tran yeah, traveling through transients. Yes. <laughs> And so we were, the girls were, we told them when it gets dark, you get in your room and you stay in your room. No, there's no exceptions because it's kind of dangerous. And so I was in my room. I heard girls practicing volleyball, you know, they bump to each other. And yeah. so I go there and I say, get in your room, you know? So they go, oh, okay. So they went in the room. Five minutes later, we heard a scream. I heard a scream outside. I looked and 
this uh, lady had been walking through and was stabbed, got stabbed oh. by a transient, you know, took, took his, her person or whatever and left, you know, ran off. So it was crazy. Then that's when we moved to the good part of town and yeah. we've been staying, <laughs> we've been staying in a very nice hotel since then. So, but wow, it was, there was some, some, ex, some great experiences. Uh, yeah. I don't exciting know. anyway. I don't know if that made the highlight film of uh, the, the parents of the tape. <laughs> yeah, that never made it on the brochure for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I love Flagstaff. Uh, my dad uh, loves Northern Arizona. He has a place up in the Williams, which isn't too far from there. Kind of the Grand Canyon little town. And uh, so some good memories there. Every time I'm there with my brother or my dad, I think, of, man, I remember that. That's, that science camp we did up here with Phil Horton was, was so much fun uh, because it was just different. It was different from the other trips or science camps you did you got to stay in a hotel which was new for us um but so there was a couple different things but one memory i have from that um was uh <laughs> we went to dinner like chilies i think i think it was chilies on like the thursday night yep <clears throat> and you know it was like the end of the trip kind of celebration we all ate had a good time and then we we went back home on friday and we were sophomores and it was, I don't know why we would do a schedule a game the week of science camp when you don't practice all week, but we had a JV game on that Saturday and we collectively, all of the sophomores who went on that trip were the sickest I've ever seen anyone. We were throwing up before the game, during, after the game, uh, the water boys, you know, they'd bring in uh, water bottles with the Gatorade logos or whatever. Uh, but Instead of those, they brought personal water bottles for each of us. <laughs> had tape with our names on them, like this is Matt, this is Jordan, <laughs> and I was so sick. We won the game. I don't know how, but uh, that was as a result of some uh, poor dining, we'll say, in Flagstaff, because uh, we all got sick. It was so bad. That's not a ringing endorsement for Chili's. We don't <laughs> go. To, we don't go to Chili's anymore anyway. So. <laughs> Uh, we got too expensive. Oh, that's good. Well, well did, did Joe Wellman get lost uh, on that trip? Yes, uh, he did. Did he? Yellowstone? Oh, Yellowstone. It was coal. Okay, he got lost in Coal Mine Canyon. Do you remember that <laughs> hike? I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah. That's one where we fell down the rope. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? And so he, yeah. there, when you're going back, <laughs> if you don't follow everybody, there's always side canyons you, you can cut up, and he cut into one of them, and we couldn't find him. So. Oh, Joe, 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 Joe. You, you told me after there was like a picture or something you had uh, uh, of Joe or something. Well, he, yeah, I was, I was actually taking pictures by camera and, you know, as students were walking by and Joe tripped and he kind of landed, did a face plant into the, the rock, you know, the wall. And then there was another student right behind him kind of pushing him into the wall. I believe his name was Matt Hersema, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> oh, I would ne well, I, I probably would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those are great trips. Those are a lot of fun. Oh, so, so and, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, such a good time. Yeah. I drive in the bus, I remember. And uh, it was just funny things that would like, would come on. Like I remember you driving the bus and I always sat kind of towards the front and you were playing with the mute, the radio, like a rap song or something would come on and you'd like look back and you'd be like, uh, uh, and then no, we're not listening to this. Or like, it'd be static and you'd just start like snapping, like, yeah, st <laughs> stupid stuff that I don't know why it sticks out to me all these years later, but uh, bus driving, I'm sure. <laughs> just to keep yourself sane, I'm sure. Oh man. Well, one thing I forgot to mention, Mr. Horton was at camps uh, when we were kids, fourth, fifth graders, um, 
you were the one of the commissioners, we'll say, of the Hortman Bowl. You and uh, Mr. Weidman, two Cardinal coaches, put yep. together this football, uh, tackle football, up at the winter camp uh, in the snow. And I, I, I got to tell you, I know I speak for myself and, and other Cardinals and Tigers and uh, those Hortman Bowl games on the meadow in the snow, tackle football with no pads, uh, those were way cooler than the Care Youth League football games we did uh, for a lot of reasons. But wh- when did you and Mr. Weidman come up with that? Wow, I think – I actually think the first year we did it, we were trying to think of things to do because there wasn't any snow up there. <laughs> and so a winter camp with no snow, it's like what – it's too cold to do any – you know, you can't do archery or anything. So we were trying to think of things. Let's do a football game. So we called it the Hortman Bowl. And uh, it was pretty successful. It's a lot more fun when you're playing in the snow, for sure. Oh, yeah. Because uh, it slows the game down so guys aren't getting killed. I can remember, wow, some of the – I have a picture of uh, Kyle Corral with just blood running down his face <laughs> after a game, you know. That's – there were crazy games. And you guys were so into it. I mean, it was – and it was why you went to camp. Mm-hmm. I think people went to camp just so they could play in the Hortman Bowl, and it, it kind of, it just caught like just caught on. And so then these other players would come up, and you know, like maybe second graders, they come up, they go, "Man, we heard about the Hortman Bowl. We're going." You know, <laughs> it's just like word of mouth. It was just so exciting. They all wanted to do it. <clears throat> and when and when you when you had the snow, there was some heavy da- there were some heavy snowfalls, and when you're playing in that snow. Uh, as a kid, that was just the greatest thing in the world to me. I mean, we get to play football in the snow. This is awesome. Oh, yeah, and some, some big injuries for sure. No doubt. No doubt. Well, nothing that required <laughs> hospitalization as far as we know, but uh, it was definitely competitive. Let's put it that way. They... Yeah, I remember the Soto, Andrew Soto, Anthony Soto. They, they weren't going to get tackled. They were, they, were, <laughs> they were massive. It was unfair. Yeah. It's so big. It's so good. <laughs> a lot of good memories from so many different trips. Uh, you always seem to kind of have a, a role as the uh, one of the leaders of the leaders, we'll say, on these trips. I know you did a lot of work as the uh, sites, uh, kind of the, what would you call itinerary. it? Itinerary. Itinerary guy. Yeah. yeah. You did a lot of that. Yeah. For sure. Uh, but everybody had a role and it, it was fun because we did it every year. So everybody had the same role and we just got really good at what we were doing. I don't know. Do you remember the, uh, did you use, do we use the punch cards with you for your money? Oh yeah. The oh punch. yes. Explain so, that to those people for us. Oh, wow. What a great idea. So <laughs> instead of carrying cash, you would carry a, a card. It was a laminated card and it had money amounts printed on it. And then, like, if you wanted to buy a Coke or something, we just punch your card the amount that it costs with a hole puncher. Well, it was also used for discipline, like if you were talking when you were supposed to after lights out or something like that. And I got to tell you, as a coach, the sound that 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 hole puncher makes when it goes through the lamination, that clicking sound, is just so satisfying. (laughs) Yet, because you know the kid, it's like, it's just like stabbing him in the heart every time you hear that punch. It's like, oh. How much is he going to quip? You know, it's like, oh, it was, it was great. I remember uh, uh, Kyle Corral, another Kyle Corral story. Um, he, uh, he was in the tent, they were talking. And, uh, you know, I said, you guys aren't supposed to be talking. So what I did is I threw my hole puncher in there. And I said, you just punch whatever you think, it, you know, you, you should get fined for talking when you, everyone else is sleeping or whatever. And so I heard this, here's this quick, quick, 
quick. So they had to punch their own cards. And it norm, the normal fine was like five cents, right? I think it was like five cents or something. He punched like a dollar fifty off his card. That just shows that shows you. And he's a great he's a great man. You know, he's just an incredible man now. So yeah. he had character, and he just he like punched almost an entire card. I was <laughs> after that. I just had so much respect for the guy. It's like, yeah, you're my kind of guy. Those cards were, yeah, when you're a young kid, we'd get like five bucks a week or something or, you know, whatever it was. Maybe it was yeah. more, but yeah. And it's lost and found. Hey, whose socks are these? Oh, that's a dollar. <laughs> like, and, and yeah, some guys, I'll be honest, after a couple of days, their car, they're working on the next week's card on them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. guys who didn't have any guys who didn't have any uh, money on their cards left. They'd be walking around and in this trance, like, "Man, I wish I could, <laughs> wish I could buy, buy a Coke buy a right Coke. now." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and you'd wear it around. You'd wear it around your neck, right? You had mm -hmm. a string, and so it was for everyone to display. You walked by, and all your your card just had nothing but holes in it. It was like you're one of the sneeches without a star on it, you know, whatever it was, you know, it's kind of like, a, Oh, that poor guy. Yeah. Ooh, get it together, man. Yeah. Holy card there. That's hilarious. Oh yeah. I'd forgotten about that. And, and yeah, what a, I remember have when I, when I became a leader and I had, and I got to have one of those hole punchers. It was, like, <laughs> yes. I have the power now. <laughs> I think we actually had engraved ones with our names in it for a while there or something. I think Mr. Shintaku came, got away, you know, so it was like the golden hole punch <laughs> or something. I don't know. It was, it was, uh, who was it? I was on a trip. Casey Martin was uh, one of the kids. And uh, I think I find him for some, I, I, I brought the, the hole puncher and I clipped his card a few times and and he 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 like looked to Mr. Todd Carson for sympathy. I think he looks at his card after I like punched most of it out for for finding him for doing something. <laughs> and he he looks at Mr. Carson. He goes, he goes, Mr. Carson, Matt's a Clipper fan. <laughs> like, wow, that's hilarious. Yeah, well, oh, so, man. Right. so many fun memories. <laughs> um, <laughs> memory lane's a fun place sometimes. Let me tell you. Uh, well. <laughs> Well, what's kind of life been for you like uh, this past, this, this wonderful year we're having, 2020? Uh, what's it been like for you and the Horton family? Um, has it affected your work at all as far as working from home more or anything? And just kind of what are your general thoughts with this, uh, man, I don't know, this unbelievable year we're having, all the different yeah. issues? Well, it's, uh, <clears throat> we were our company was closed for about six weeks. We do dental, dental supplies. So if the dentists aren't working, then we're not working. But uh, uh, it was only about six weeks. And then uh, <clears throat> we're kind of like part-time for a month or so. And then we went back to full uh, employment in June. And we've been going strong ever since. So it didn't really affect us that much. Um, as far as how it affects our family, <clears throat> I have to be honest, it was kind of like a vacation. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there was no uh, – Curious League is out, Rio Hondo. I was doing uh, – remote teaching for real hondo but you know that was just kind of the students worked on their own a little bit different this year we actually have to face you know we have to do uh zoom yeah. or google classroom and actually have to have them on your screen so you can tell that they're awake and actually paying attention <laughs> this that's smart that was a smart move yeah uh but uh it hasn't you know it really affected us that much other than just i think the thing we miss most is just you know, simple things like getting a haircut or mm -hmm. uh, going to Disneyland. You know, we have passes. We we you go to Disneyland. We go to Disneyland. We we uh, we've eaten out twice, twice our family in the last what seven months. 
Wow. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's, you know, socially, I think uh, it has really kind of messed up our family a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, but I know other people who it's affected, like, it's crazy. And these, all these businesses going out of business and everything. And uh, I don't know how these small businesses are hanging in there. But a lot of no. them aren't. So. Yeah, it's, it's so sad, especially here in California. It's been just, it's been tragic. I mean, with so many of these different things. And I, I'm just glad, it's been a blessing for me to talk to so many different people and see that people are hanging in there. I mean, there's challenges, but everyone is doing what they got to do. So can't wait for 2021, man. Let's just, just, just yeah. wipe this slate clean and start over. Um, yeah. Well, I, I do want to say something, uh, Mr. Horton, your, your wife, Christina, um, she was also another one of my teachers. Um, I will say this. She was very patient with me. <laughs> uh, I, I, it was, it was, a uh, English, it was, a uh, you know, literature and senior year, junior, year, I believe. And I, I just did, I don't know. I struggled in that class and she was great though. She, she was patient. She did everything she could. I think a very good teacher as well. Um, so did the fact that you were a teacher and your wife was a teacher, did that affect anything with your kids growing up as far as, uh, maybe their studies? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I, I probably, I don't think it did. I don't think it really had much effect. I think we just parented like normal parents yeah. and we just kept kicking our kids and get them to do what they're supposed <laughs> to do. I mean, we did have some ins because we were part of the faculty so we could actually talk to their teachers easily and say, how are they doing? <laughs> so, but other than that, I think we were just kind <clears> of <throat> normal parents doing, doing our thing. Yeah, I talked to Rick Johnson, asked him about him and his wife, Valerie, being teachers. Similar thing as, as far as uh, you're not, you're not going to get much sympathy from mom and dad who are both teachers, you know, about schoolwork and everything. So I, I found that interesting. I do, I just thought of it. I, I do have a story about you and Christina Horton, your lovely wife. Uh, you were a chaperone. Both of you were a chaperone for me at an inaugural. I don't remember how old I was. But towards the end of the night, you guys are driving me and my date around. And the, the, the evening, the day was coming to a close. But of course, we went through Jack in the Box. Of course, you got to finish with a little fast food run uh, for a high school kid or whatever it was. And so we, <laughs> we're getting our food. And your wife leans over and she says something like, oh, hey, uh, small Diet Coke. And you looked at her and you're like, you, we have Diet Coke at home. You don't need a Diet Coke. You, it's something... <laughs> <laughs> and oh, man. it was this argument in all in fun, but you're like, you don't need that. You're going to have two sips of it. Then you're going to put in the fridge and, and uh, it's going to be there for a couple days after that. And so eventually she got the diet Coke. <laughs> and I think I asked you the next day at school, Hey, Mr. Horton, is that diet Coke still in the fridge? And you're like, yeah, yeah, it's in the fridge. I, yeah. I told her, I told you guys she, that we got diet Coke at home and, and there it is. So I don't know why that I remember that, but I do. Uh, and it was again, this funny memory. <laughs> yeah, I have some funny standards and one of them is that don't buy, now it's different now. You go to McDonald's and buy the big one for 99 cents. That's yeah. fine. But back then, I mean, Cokes were like two bucks or yeah. you know, they were expensive. <laughs> And it's like, you know, you can buy a six pack for the same price. You can buy one little Coke at McDonald's. Why would you do that? So I have my standards. That's one. I refused to, like when we were dating, she wanted to buy popcorn at the movies. I say, I am not. No, that's one thing I will never do is buy popcorn. It's two cents worth of popcorn. And they're charging four bucks for that, you know. So there's little things like that I will never, ever do. So. Wow. That is awesome. How'd that, so how'd that go over? Was uh, She's fine with it because yeah. she... 
She agrees. Yeah. Okay. She likes me, so <laughs> you know I have a choice. <laughs> I, oh. I think at first it kind of hit her like, "What?" You know, yeah. Because like, I do just about you know do anything for her, but I'm not buying popcorn at a movie. There's just no way. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I hear what you're saying there. So yeah, the Diet Coke story uh, from an inaugural. That was a good time. Good time for sure. Well, Mr. Horton, we've covered a lot. We've, we've chatted about a lot of different subjects. Uh, anything else you have in mind that you'd like to say or ask me maybe before we kind of wrap it up here? Uh, I can't really think of anything. It's, no? been a, it's been fun going down memory lane. You've uh, brought some memories back that I'd just forgotten about, you know, so it's boy, I live quite a life. I have a lot of experiences. And so yes, it's, sir. it's kind of fun to go over those things from time oh, to time. No, absolutely. You, yeah, you've done it all. I'll say, and, uh, some fun. That's the best part of the podcast is, is reconnecting and being like, Oh yeah, that did happen. Like you brought the Joe Wellman stuff. I totally forgot about until you said it, uh, which is great. So, uh, thank you so much for being here. It was a blast. Um, man, we got to get more people out on this podcast to, uh, to talk about some memories and to share some ideas and things. Yeah. I think, am I not the oldest guest you've had or maybe not? I think Dan Davis is Dan older. Davis. Let's see. Yeah. He's uh, a year older, I think. Okay. But other than that, you're starting to get into the old generations now. So yeah, it's in no order, no particular order, just, yeah. uh, you know, reaching out to people. And uh, no, I got a few other uh, ready to go too, that we're going to put together here soon. Um, some people are, are busy and doing other things and, and they, they, they're trying to schedule it, but uh, we'll make it happen. We'll get some other people on here too. So, well, thanks again, Mr. Horton. It was a blast. Uh, man, can't say it enough. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having me. It was been fun. <laughs> Alrighty. Take care. Another big thank you to Phil Horton for coming on the program. I've not laughed that much in a long time while doing an interview, and it was a lot of fun laughing again as I re-listened to it here with uh, with our podcast episode being released. But anyway, Phil Horton, you're a class act. Thank you again for being patient with me in high school as a teacher, for giving me some fond memories, uh, whether it was playing sports or in your classroom or on science camp trips. Just so much fun. And uh, I just thank you so much for, for everything you've done for me and so many other of my peers. Have a good one. We'll talk to you very soon. Looking forward to it and uh, hope all is well with you and the family. Well, guys, as of now, we don't have a guest planned for Tuesday. I'm still working on it. This episode gets released on Monday and uh, that still gives us a full day to put something together and record with somebody. There's a tentative uh, recording scheduled for me to do on Monday evening, but uh, time will tell. We'll see if everything works out. Uh, again, if you're interested in coming on the program, even if we've, re we've redone one uh, or done an episode already and we want to do another one, that's all good. Uh, I am looking at our upcoming guest list. There are some people that I have talked to still need to, uh, you know, pe pencil in or, or put a <laughs> really a pencil in a time to record with them. Sometimes it's a little more difficult, especially as things are kind of opening up now and people get more and more busy. And I mentioned it kind of in the intro that uh, this show might have some changes in moving forward. I don't know exactly what. Uh, I can't tell you much about it, but I do think. Uh, if things go well for me in some particular uh, fields, we'll say that I won't have as much time as I have had during these past few months. But I 
am passionate about this. I enjoy recording podcasts. Sometimes, uh, well, a lot of times, I don't know what I'm talking about, but it is fun to get on the mic, vent a little bit, say my frustrations, also talk about some positive things and talking with people, interviewing people like Phil Horton, like Bill Barnes on Wednesday, just uh, all the different guests we've had. That has been so much fun. So my goal is to keep things moving, to keep them going. And I think in moving forward, it's going to be a little more difficult to sit down and record with people uh, in a timely manner. So I don't know if we're going to continue to have five episodes a week. That is the plan for now, but we'll, we shall see. I will keep you guys updated. If I do ask you to come on the program, uh, there is a little urgency at this point to, to put together recordings, uh, you know, to, to try to find time to sit down and put an episode out. Uh, it's not always easy and people are busy. I understand that. But when I ask people uh, if they're available and everything, I'm going to try to uh, record sooner ra- sooner rather than later with them rather than say, oh yeah, let's do something next week. But whenever people are available, I will work with them. I'm going to do what I can and, and try to be flexible. So those are some of the things, some of the changes. Uh, we're going to talk some more sports here, I think, upcoming with uh, kind of this crazy month of September starting like we've never seen before. Uh, October should be more of the same. So so there will be some good discussions here moving forward with sports. Uh, what sports, uh, you know, when sports kind of oversteps certain lines that, that I think a lot of us have. And just how sports, you know, bringing us together to argue, which is funny. You know, it's funny that it's this uniting thing. But at the same time, we, we argue with each other, you know, Rams fans and Cowboy fans, for instance, Sunday night, you know, going at it online or whatever. Like that's kind of what sports does. It unites us to fight us, but in a fun way rather than some of the things we're seeing these days with the violence and everything. I mean, uh, I, I'm, I give more jabs to, to my close friends that, than anyone else I know. And, uh, it, it's all in good fun. It's, it has, it's, uh, it's not serious. It's all to tease guys and get teased back. That's what it's all about. I'd like us to, as a society, get more, uh, more like that instead of this, this serious hating of each other. So we'll see what happens. Big, big plans ahead for the Get Home Safe podcast. I will keep you guys involved. I will keep you guys updated. Uh, every step of the way. And again, I appreciate you guys for tuning in and making this show continue to grow. Looking forward to more episodes this week. Not sure who our guests will be next uh, tomorrow, but if we do not have a guest, there will be some fun sports conversations uh, kind of going a little more in detail as to what happened over the weekend and some of the storylines. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope everyone is being safe out there and uh, just doing uh, kind of what what they uh, should be doing, <laughs> you know, being safe, being responsible, but at the same time, hopefully getting a little more enjoyment out of life than we did in the early months of the lockdown. So my best wishes to everyone out there and guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. <laughs>